And so last week we looked at um, our enemy, his tactics. His primary tool is lies. Our enemy, Satan, wants to control what we think so that he can control us. And uh, what God does is he comes into our world. He sends his son, Jesus Christ, to rescue us, to teach us the truth, to give us the power and the knowledge that we need, the, the, the family, the body of Christ that we need, pastors and teachers that we need so that we can live our lives with him and for him and prosper because he's a good father. He loves us and uh, he wants us to develop. And so we're looking at some of the most common uh, lies that we can believe that can get us into trouble. Uh, some of the lies we're going to be looking at over the series is uh, it's too hard. And maybe you thought that. Today we're going to be looking at it's too hard. Another lie is I'm too tired. I just don't have the energy it takes to do the work that I need to do. And, and we feel this way. We think this way all the time. Uh, we're going to be looking at it's not what I want. Uh, this situation, what I'm being asked to do, uh, it's not what I want to do. And in these moments when you're feeling like it's too tired and I'm too tired, it's, it's too hard, it's not what I want, you can just feel your courage and your strength sapped. And your forward progress, it just gets like you're walking in quickstand. You probably felt that way. Another thing that we think is it's not fair. You know, why do they always get the good? And why do I always get the bad? And why do they always get the praise? And I always get the responsibility. And, and it just is not fair. Maybe you felt that way before. Maybe you said that before. I was watching the uh, president of uh, basketball operations for the Golden State Warriors uh, this week, and uh, they had two major injuries in the finals, and he was saying, it's not fair, and it isn't fair. He's right, but it's, it's not going to do him any good if he holds on to it. I don't, I don't know that he's going to hold on to it, but boy, it can really trip you up and keep you from taking the action you need to take to make the situation better. And we're going to be looking at another one called uh, when we think I'm the only one. It's just me. Nobody's helping me. Nobody has to face what I face. And all of these things can kind of get us to that final coup de grace, which is it's not worth it. You know what? Even if I did do what God said, and even if I did follow him where he takes me, it's not going to be worth it. And we can think this. We don't want to say it because we get ashamed and embarrassed. But these thoughts and these emotions, they can get a hold of us and they can ruin our lives. And so what we're doing is we're looking at the truth. And we're drawing on the resources that God gives us, and we're looking at the experiences of people in the past who have trusted him. And uh, we're, we're pulling from these things uh, the truth that we need to hold in our minds, that we can set our mind to, that God will bring to our heart and help us to choose to trust and obey him step by step. When we do that, uh, God takes good care of us because he's a good father. This morning, we're going to focus in on it's too hard. Now. Have you ever felt like it's too hard? Of course. I mean, that's just a constant, you know, you feel that all the time. You think that all the time. Your kids say it, you know, you hear it at work, you, you think it. And uh, when do you feel like that? Let's just focus on the question, like, when does that thought come? It tends to come whenever you're facing an obstacle, when something's blocking your forward progress. Uh, for me personally, I tend to feel like it's too hard when I have expectations, you know, for how things are going to go. And I think they're going to be you know, easier or shorter or less work or more fun than they turn out to be. And then the distance between those two points, I just I don't want to do what it takes to handle my responsibilities or to take care of whatever I'm working on. And I start feeling like it's too it's too hard. Uh, you, you may feel like this in your relationships. There may be a relationship in your life that's a lot of work. Uh, it's not the way that it needs to be. And what it would take for you to work on this relationship, whether it's your marriage or with your children or 
roommates, coworkers, what it would take to make this relationship right, to get this relationship to where God wants it to be. It just it seems too hard. And uh, we feel like it's too hard at work. A lot of you have very heavy responsibilities in your lives. And if you look at the week or the, the month or the quarter, it may seem like the work that I have to do, I just, I don't want to do it. It's too much for me. It's too big. I'm too small. I can't see how it's going to work out. And it's easy to believe it's too hard and start wanting to quit, to play, to just let go. And we know that's going to cause more problems, but we still think these thoughts. Uh, you may feel like it's too hard when it comes to your relationship with God. You know, reading the Bible and learning how to pray, memorizing scripture, th- these are disciplines that can seem difficult to do and hard to sustain. And so you may have tried this and just felt like it was too difficult. And then there's just sin. You know, we all struggle with sin patterns in our lives. There are things that have got a hold of us and we try to overcome them. And then it feels like we're just right back in the same hole. And it just feels like it's too hard. We, we feel like this all the time. It's a really common thing. And so it's good for us to focus on these enemy thoughts because... If we don't know what we're fighting, it's going to be very hard to win. But, like I said before, the good news is, is that God comes into our life through the person of Jesus Christ. He, he sends his son to this world. He removes the sin that separates us from God by dying for us in our place. And God gives us his spirit, his Holy Spirit, and the power that we need to have the desires that we need. And he gives us his word so that we have the truth that we need to make progress and to overcome these lies. Another question I was thinking about as I was preparing this is, why is it so tempting and why does it stick and why is it so easy to believe it's too hard? And I think it's because it lines up with a parallel lie, a bigger lie that's behind all of these enemy lies that's very easy for us to believe as human beings. And that lie is that we are alone. We're alone. God is not with us. God is not for us. God is not involved in our lives we're, we're alone. We have, to, we have to figure this life out ourselves. We have to direct ourselves. We have to protect ourselves. We have to use our own strength and our own energy to provide for ourselves. It's all on us. And we can live this way. We can believe this about the world in which we live. We believe this about God, that he's far off, that he's not interested in us, that he doesn't care about us. And we may not explicitly say it, but we live like it. We live like orphans without a father, no one to care for us, take care of us and develop us. And that's not how God wants us to live. And when you believe that, when you believe that you're alone, that God is not with you, then you look at your situation and it's really big and really hard. And you look at yourself and you're really small, inadequate and weak. And then you want to quit because it's just you and your situation and you're all alone. I remember I had a conversation with a person it was a long time ago. It must have been like 15 years ago. And I was telling this person about my, my faith in Christ and my relationship with God. And they told me, I don't believe all that. They broke in like, you know, I don't believe all that. I don't believe that God you know, cares about us. I think God created this world and we screwed it up. And he's like, you messed it up. You deal with it. And he's, he's left us. And as I've watched this person live their life, they live with a constant sense of anxiety, frustration, There's a lot of anger because they have to control the people around them because if they don't control them, they're not going to be okay. And they're not going to be okay because they have to take care of themselves and they have to take care of themselves because God is not with them. And then when they look at their circumstances, they're huge. And they look at themselves, they're small. And they conclude it's too hard. And then their courage melts. They let go of their responsibility 
And who knows where they end up. But God wants for them. He wants for them to be in his family. He, he wants to be with them. He's with them. And he wants them to be with him. The truth is, is God is with us. If we are willing to receive God's son that he sent in this world for us. God sent his son into this world to rescue us, to bring us back into his family. And if we are willing to follow Jesus Christ, if we're willing to give our life to him, and that means we're willing to make him our king, our Lord, we agree with God, yes, I have sinned against you. I understand what sin is. I know that I live my life independently from you. I've done it for most of my days, and I admit it. And I want to be forgiven for these sins. And I accept Christ's sacrifice in my place. And I'm ready to follow you. And I want you in my life. God comes into our life. And he never lets us go. A verse that we teach our kids here at Church in the Valley Kids Zone that we write on our children's mirrors in their bedrooms in my house is Isaiah 41.10. For do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not fear, for I am with you. God is with us. And when we learn to live in his presence, with his power and protection, the circumstances are big, we're small, but God is bigger. And when God is with us and we're with him, when we know that reality, then we have the strength we need to face the hard things we're facing. A great case study of this is Gideon. Gideon is a man who lived in the nation of Israel a long time ago. The story of Israel is a great story. There's about three and a half million slaves that live at the center of the Egyptian economy. And the Pharaoh, he treats them very badly. And God comes to these people and he takes them out of Egypt. And he does some amazing things to do that. You can read about that in the book of Exodus. And then God leads these children, his children, through the desert. He feeds them. He gives them something to drink. He protects them. He brings them all the way to the edge of this beautiful land, the promised land, from the Mediterranean to the uh, Jordan, down to Egypt, up to modern-day Syria. It's, it's actually even bigger than that, but it's, it's beautiful. It's a great land. Vineyards they didn't plant, houses they didn't build. They say it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And God says, I want to give you this land. You're going to go into this land, you're going to fight some pretty bad dudes, but you're going to win, because I'm going to be with you. And so they... The first time they don't trust God, we looked at that last week. Second time their kids did. They go and they have victory and they settle in this land. This is going to be the place where God and man dwell on earth. This is going to be the place where God and man can live together on earth. And all the nations of the world are going to see how great the Israelite God is. And they're going to come into relationship with him through Israel. But there's conditions to these promises. God tells the Israelites, if you trust me and obey me, then I'm going to use you to bless the world. You're going to be blessed. It's going to be great. But if you stop trusting me and you start turning your heart towards the gods of the pagan nations around you, you start worshiping money and power and sex and you start chasing after their way of life, then you're going to be enslaved to the same things that enslaved you in Egypt. And then you're going to cry out to me and I'm going to rescue you. And round and round we're going to go. And that's exactly what happened. The Israelites, they turned away from God. They started chasing after, you know, the gods of these these people around them. And then eventually they became slaves and under the oppressive rule of the Midianites. And so for seven years, God gave them over to the Midianites. And these people were brutal. They'd come in and steal all the food 
and destroy the lives of the Israelites. Since it was so bad, they lived in holes and caves. And so the Israelites, they cried out to God. And God, he saved them. And he saved them by raising up one man who was very, very weak to go into some circumstances that were very, very hard. But because God was with him and because he learned to be with God, they were able to be free. It's a great story and it teaches us a lot about how we can overcome the lie that it's too hard. So let's take a look at Gideon's story. It starts with the angel of the Lord being sent to Gideon. In Judges 6, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now the first thing he says is, I'm with you. Because Gideon doesn't think that. Like us, Gideon doesn't believe that God is with him. And this is the truth that you have to flip the lie with. God is with you. He does love you. He is for you. He is going to take good care of you. You're not alone. Never alone again. God is with you. And Gideon says, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us. And he's given us into the hands of the Midianites. Now, like all good lies, there's a little bit of truth in here. Gideon's believing a lie. He's misreading the situation. He thinks God gave them over to the Midianites. He did. He told them he was going to. It's part of their training. But he didn't forsake them. Gideon added that. God has forsaken me. He's not with me. He's not with us. And we can feel that way too. We face a hard circumstance and we conclude this is difficult and God isn't with us. It is difficult, but God is still with us. And we have to hold on to that. And Gideon starts asking the wrong questions. Why? Why is this happening? Why did this happen to us? Well, that pushes the responsibility off into the space. It's, it's, a, it's a, a victim mentality. He says, where? Where is God? Where, where's my help coming from? Again, it's, it's not, he's not asking the right questions. And when we start feeling like it's too hard, we ask the wrong questions. The right questions to ask are, what? What can I do to make the situation better? What are my responsibilities? What do I have control over? And what can I do to cooperate with what God is doing? In this case, Gideon should be asking, why has God turned us over to these people? What have we done? But he's not asking that question. And so God is trying to focus his attention away from the big thing, the big hard thing they're facing, the Midianites, and away from his own weakness onto God's presence. He's trying to correct Gideon's thinking. So then God responds to Gideon. He says, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? Again, God is focusing Gideon's attention on God's presence, on him being with him. The key factor in any situation is God. He's the biggest rock. He's the most powerful guy. And if what he wants to be done is, uh, nobody can resist what God wants to be done. God is strong enough and more powerful enough to make what he gives us to do happen. And so he's trying to shift Gideon's focus away from himself, away from his circumstances, back to God. So Gideon responds to God and he says, please, Lord. How can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So you got all the nations of Israel, right? And you got Manasseh, one of the 12 tribes. Not, not super big. And then you have the clan that Gideon's a part of, and it's the smallest clan. And then you got Gideon, and he's the youngest and the weakest and the smallest of all those people. So he, he sees himself as totally... I'm too weak. It's too, it's too big. It's too hard. And that's great because that's how we would feel too. And we feel that way now. Where are you feeling like things are too hard? 
Where, where's the point of tension and frustration? You may be feeling like Gideon, like it's too hard and you're too small and you're too weak. And again, look at what Gideon's doing. He's focusing on himself and his inability. He's focusing on the circumstance and how big it is. But he still hasn't yet learned to live with and in the presence of God. And I appreciate that. appreciate the honesty. And so one of the other things that you see as you're reading this story is that God is putting Gideon in a situation. He wants him to go fight against the Midianites. He's putting him in a situation that is way, way, way too big for his ability. He doesn't have the ability to handle it. And that's because God, like a good father, wants to develop his son Gideon. He wants to develop and mature him. He wants to grow his faith and teach him how to live his life with God. And only in hard things do we really grow. Easy things don't really grow our children, as you know. And so God will often put us in hard situations so that we will learn to trust and depend on him. So Gideon goes on and he responds. And um, you raise it a little bit. He says, uh, but how do I how do I know? Uh, how do I know that you're going to be with me? How do I know that it's really you talking to me? And God gives him a sign. God places, uh, tells him to put some food on a rock. He tells Gideon, or Gideon to go get some food and make a meal and place it on a rock. And then the angel of the Lord that is talking to Gideon puts his staff on the rock and it burns it up. And w- when that happens, Gideon is, is really surprised. Oh, this is really God I'm talking to. And he's just had an experience that he can't quite explain. And so then God gives him a smaller assignment. God tells Gideon, he says, I want you to go into the, the town you're a part of, and I want you to tear down the altar that your dad has built to this demon, Baal. The whole town of Israelites are worshiping the gods of the Midianites. And so God wants Gideon to tear down this altar, and he wants Gideon to build a new altar and to burn offerings on that altar to the one true God. And so Gideon is afraid because he knows that the townsmen are going to kill him if he does that. So he does it at nighttime, but he does trust God is going to take care of him. He does believe that God is with him. He goes and he tears it down at nighttime. He builds an altar to the Lord, and he offers a burnt offering. Now, a burnt offering is important because in the, in the, uh, the time of Israel, they were given a series of offerings that they were to practice. And each of these offerings had different meanings. And the burnt offering was a symbol of total devotion to the Lord. That you weren't holding back any part of your life. That you were giving your whole life to God. And that was what God asked Gideon to do. And that's a very important moment for Gideon. Because a lot of times when we're facing hard things, and we lack the strength and the energy to accomplish them, sometimes it's because there are parts of our lives that have not really been submitted or given to God. God has a slice of our life, but he doesn't have all of our life. And we're holding on to things, and we're chasing after things, that God doesn't really want for us. And it's causing frustration and tension. And so what Gideon is doing is he's devoting his entire life to God. And this is really the first step. If he's going to live with God, if God is going to be in his life the way he needs to be so that Gideon can do the things he has to do, Gideon has to devote his whole life to God. And so he does. He offers this burnt offering. And we have to do the same thing. As Christians, we give our entire life to God by following the son that he sent. God has sent his son And he has said, follow him. And as we do that, we are giving our whole life to God. And so they tear down the altar. They build the new altar. They burn the offerings. The men wake up. They're really mad. They want to know who did it. They find out it's Gideon. They want to kill him. And Gideon's dad comes out and says, wait, if Baal's a real real God, then he should be able to take care of my son. And somehow this convinced everybody, which is kind of surprising to me. But it did. It convinced them. And uh, they didn't kill 
Gideon. So he just had a really great experience. He did something risky, something hard, something big. God was with him. God told him to do it. He trusted God. He did it. He didn't die. Now he's going to get the big assignment. So God tells him that he wants Gideon to go out, raise an army and face the big army of the Midianites and the Amalekites. So they've joined together. There's over a hundred thousand of these bad guys and they're going to come down. They're going to wipe out Israel. Right. Our enemy, Satan, he knows what's going on in Israel. He can see that God is kindling the faith of this one man, that he's bringing this one man uh, to a point where he can trust God and walk with God. And, and Satan doesn't want that to spread in Israel. So he stirs up some armies and they're going to come down. They're going to wipe out these Israelites. And God says, go raise up an army and fight these people. And so it's interesting. You wouldn't think that Gideon would have the courage to do this. But through the series of steps and through, through his steps of obedience and trusting God, he's, he's learned that God really is with him. And we can learn that, too. And as we walk with God and we trust God and do what he says and he comes through for us, we see that he's real. and He's with us. He cares about us. Then when we look at our situation that seems so big, it's like, yeah, that's really big. But but God is way bigger and we have courage and then we do our our part and we leave the outcome with God. And that's what you're seeing happening in the story of Gideon. So something cool happens is that it says that but the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and he sounded the trumpet. And the Abiezerites were called out to follow him. And so Gideon is now leading this army. And God has given him power through his Holy Spirit. Now, as we talked about last week, God gives every single Christian his spirit. He puts his power, his desires, his emotions, his thoughts into each person. He gives us the power, the desire to do what he wants us to do. It's one thing to know what's good. It's another thing to want it. But God's spirit gives us the wantings that God has. God's spirit gives us the faith we need to trust and walk with God and follow him and to do the hard things that he wants us to do. And so the spirit of God has clothed Gideon and he's called up these armies. And there are 32,000 people that are fighting on the side of Gideon, which is, you know, it's pretty good. But the problem is, it's too many. God says, whoa, this is way too big of an army. If you fight these people with 32,000 men, you're going to think... We did this. We did this with our own strength. And this is going to be the total wrong lesson. This is not what I want you to learn from this circumstance. This is not what I'm doing here. So I want you to tell every guy who's in your army, Gideon, if you're scared, if you're afraid, if you think you're going to die, go home. You get to go home. And 22,000 men left. They're like, all right, I'm out. Right? Now, that's 70% of all of Gideon's men. So you can imagine Gideon... He's still got 10,000. That's pretty good, right? 10,000. I mean, if there's 10,000 men between him and the armies of the Midianites, he could probably get away, right? If things go south. But then God says, yeah, that's still too many. Still too many. So what I want you to do is take all these guys, take them to the river, get them hydrated. And as they're drinking, I want you to watch how they drink water. He says, every guy who drinks water like a dog, that's your guy. And everybody who drinks water... By scooping up, kneeling down and scooping up with their hands, send them home. And so I can just imagine Gideon, he's just like, oh, come on. (laughs) Drink it like a dog, come on. And he had, when it was all done, he had 300 men. That's all he had left. That's .009% of the total number at the beginning. 300 men versus over 100,000 Midianites and Amalekites. It's too hard is a thought that Gideon is thinking. And God knows this. He put him in the situation. He put him in a situation that was far bigger than he could handle. 
And whatever situation that you're facing right now where you feel like it's way more than you can handle, the same God who is there with Gideon is with you and wants to help you. And so God encourages Gideon. He's very kind. He says, hey, you know what? I know you're worried. Go down into the, uh, the camp of your enemies tonight when it's like pitch black. I guess there was no moon out. There was no light. Really dark night. And I want you to listen to what these people are saying. So he goes in there and he sneaks in there with his, uh, with his servant. And he's listening to these soldiers talking. And they're telling, him, telling each other about this dream they had, this nightmare. The guy's like, we all got wiped out. And uh, the other guy's like, that's because their God's going to wipe us out. <laughs> And when Gideon hears these people and how scared they are, he's thinking, all right, we can do this. So he comes out, and that night, not the next morning, but that night, he has all 300 guys take a torch, take a trumpet, take a pot. Great weapons, right? And he says, put the torch in the pot so you can't see the torch. You know, it's concealing it at nighttime. And I want you to surround the camp of these bad guys. And when I throw that pot down, and I grab that torch, and I blow the horn, I want you to do the same thing. So they do. And everybody in the camp freaks out. They think the Israelites are in the camp with them. So they start killing each other because they can't tell. And it turns into this, this riot, this brawl. And they wipe out a whole bunch of their own men. And then everybody who's left just freaks out and runs away. And Gideon and his men and other tribes of Israel come down. And they take out all these people. And they get freedom. They take back all the forts. They take back all the land. They take control of the river. They get rid of the kings. God completely delivers them. From the Midianites. But in the process, they learned the truth about God and his people. He is with us. And that is the key. If God is with you and God is calling you to do it, you can do it. So what are you feeling like is too hard in your life? You should really ask that question right now. That's how you transfer this truth into your circumstance, if you can identify a part of your life where you're feeling like, man, this is hard. The truth we have to hold on to is it's not too hard because the Lord is with me and I will trust and I will obey him. Now, how do you do that? How do you shift your focus away from the big circumstances and the weaknesses that you feel? How how do you do that? Uh, First of all, you have to tell yourself the truth. You have to choose To bring the truth into your mind. You do that by reading the word of God. By listening to sermons. By talking with your friends about what God is teaching them. When you think about what God is saying. And you begin to see as God sees. Then you begin to want and have the courage necessary to do the hard things in front of you. You have to hold on to the truth. And this is why it's so important, as we saw last week, it's so important that we meditate on the word of God day and night. Then you will be successful and prosperous in all your ways. That's what God told Joshua. When you meditate on this word day and night, then you will be. In other words, until you start seeing the way I see and start wanting what I want, you're never going to do what you need to do. And you're not going to be successful. But if you will fill your mind and think about and talk about and try to understand the word of God, so that you can see his perfect design for every area of life, then you won't feel so alone. His presence and his power will be real. It will be your own experience. You will have the strength you need, but you have to fill your mind with it. Quick story about this. It's a little corny, but it's true, and so I'm just going to share it. Was When I was in college, I was a water polo player. I talked about swimming last year, but I was also a water polo player. 
And I remember the last tournament we ever played was in Hawaii, which was awesome. And we were at BYU-Hawaii playing a game, and it was going horribly. We were down like 9-1 to one or 8-1, to one, and we still had like two or three quarters left. And all of our, <laughs> almost all of our starters were kicked out. We only had enough guys to play um, Ironman water polo, which meant we had no substitutes for the rest of the game. And we were down really, really, you know, we weren't, we weren't going to win. It was like 9-1. to one. It was very frustrating and discouraging. So I'm in the game, and I'm a brand-new Christian. And I've been reading the Bible a lot. And I thank God for giving me the desire to do that. And I love the story of David and Goliath and the story of some other people and how they had strength. And, you know, I'm a young guy. I'm 19. I'm like, God gives you strength. So I, I get up to the line where you play water polo and you swim out to the middle of the pool. And I am exhausted because I play the, the position of two-meter man, which is like the center in basketball. It's very, very tiring. And I got like two quarters left. And we're down by eight goals. And, you know, I just want to quit. It's too hard. And so... <laughs> I, I dive down underwater, <laughs> and I just scream as loud as I can, God, help me. Give me strength. Give me power. And in my mind, I have these pictures, these biblical pictures. I mean, that's just the truth. And when I came out, I felt like I had electricity in my blood. I felt so, I mean, and so I started swimming back and forth and back and forth as hard as I could and fighting and battling. And no matter how hard I pushed, I never got, I, my muscles never gave out. And I remember by the second or third quarter, I was like, this isn't, this is, I mean, I was thinking to myself, this is awesome. And uh, we didn't win the game. We caught up, but we didn't win. And that was the best game that I'd ever played because it was in that game that I learned that God is so present in my life and he cares about me so much that he would help me play my best water polo. I mean, what God doesn't care about water polo, right? Right? He's not in, he's not, he's not that close, right? He didn't give me the win. But he helped me do my best. He gave me strength. And it was because I was thinking what I had learned in the scriptures could be true for me. Gideon, that could be you. Same God for Gideon is the God for me and you. So as you fill your mind with the truth of God, his word, when you, when you think what God thinks, when you listen to what he says, you can start to shift your focus. And so here's a great verse to hold on to. It's Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Look how amazing and how much power it takes to make all of this. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you, God. And if you are with me and I'm with you, then nothing is too hard for me. Hold on to that truth. The second thing we have to do to shift our focus is we have to decide Make a decision, commit in our heart that we are going to give our whole life to God and that we are going to obey God's will no matter what. That's the burnt offering of Gideon. That's the first step of becoming a Christian. You realize that you have been living without God, apart from God, against God, and you want to live with God. And you know that Jesus Christ is the only one who can give us the with God life. And so you ask that God would come into your life. You give your life to Christ. And when you do that, it opens up all, all the possibilities. And the last thing you can do, and this is often where most of us are at, is you have to take action. A lot of times we know what we need to do. We know what we need to do. And we just don't want to do it. And we don't want to do it because we're, we're worried that if we exert our energy and pour ourselves out, we're going we're gonna to fail. And we're, and we're going to have no energy and we're not going to have any good. We know what we need to do. But we lack the will to do it. But again, when you know that God is with you and he's going to help you, then you have the motivation and the courage to do it. 
So what steps maybe do you need to take? You need to do your best. That's what it boils down to. You do your best. You give 100%. You don't trust your best, but you do your best because you trust that God will work in and through you and help you. So what are you facing right now? Is it a relationship? Is it money? Is it a decision? Is it at work? Are you struggling with physical illness? And how can you, how can you uh, uh, see your circumstance that God is with you? And, and what is it that God would have you do? And uh, we would love to help you learn how to do that. If you don't quite know how to do God's will in a particular area, we would love to help you. If you don't know how to uh, take God's word and memorize it, and uh, so that you can use it as a weapon and as a map and as a guide and as encouragement as you go through your life, we would love to help you do that. I'd like to ask that you take out your connection card, and uh, I'd like to ask that you continue to fin- finish any uh, information that you uh, you want to fill out. And maybe you want to go to a meetup, or maybe you'd like to uh, um, get more information about how to follow Christ, or or some next steps you'd like to take, prayer requests. And I'd like to ask that you fill that out, and uh, consider some next steps that you can take. Uh, are you are you memorizing the word of God regularly? And do you know how to do that? And if you don't know how to do that, we would love to help you. And so just just ask and we can help you uh, learn some very. I learned how to do that when I was uh, in my early 20s. And it's been a tremendous help for me in fighting the enemy thoughts that try to discourage me. So we'd love to help you do that. You can let us know if you'd like some help with that on the connection card. Also, you may want to memorize specifically Jeremiah 32, 17. That's a great verse to memorize. Because it's the truth. God is with us. He has the power and he will help us the way he helped Gideon. And finally, what's an action step you can take? What can you do this week to make the situation better, to get a tight grip on your responsibility? What is it that you need to do this week? Identify that in the area that you're facing that's hard and ask God to help you and remind yourself that God is with you. And you will have victory over these thoughts and you will Enjoy the fruitful and faithful life that the Lord wants you to have. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are with us, that you have not left us as orphans, and that you have come into our world, that you've sent your son to rescue us and bring us into your family. We thank you that you've removed our sin by the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, and that you give us your Holy Spirit, that you're personally present in our lives, that you give us your power and your protection. But it's so hard to remember this, There are so many other ideas and pictures and habits that we have, Lord, that cause us to look at our circumstances and to cut you out. And that just saps our strength. So we ask that you would open our eyes to see that you are here with us and that you'd encourage us in our hearts that we could continue to do what our responsibilities are to do. Give us strength and help us be successful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.